Live. Live from This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. Sorry, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Just on the Suffering Podcast. Here's New York Sports Talk. I'm a long-suffering fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. We are wrapping up the divisional weekend here. Unfortunately, the New York Giants did not advance to the conference championship game. They got blown out by the Eagles 38-7. to So, like we did last week with the Jets, we're doing a little bit of post-mortem with the Giants. I'm going to be joined by good friend of the podcast, Jerry Foley, from the Giant Insider Newspaper and Podcast. We're going to break down what went wrong in Philly, where the Giants have to go in the offseason. They have a lot of big decisions to make. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barker, both be free agents. They have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of draft picks. We'll talk to Jerry about what could be happening with the Giants in just a bit. Also, we're going to do our picks for Championship Sunday in just a minute. We're going to be joined by another Giant fan, Phil Lombardo. We're going to do the picks, the two games, break them down, and see you know if we can get the two games right for determining who's going to be in Super Bowl 57. I'm also going to go ahead to the two-minute drill, tell you why the NFL is thinking about this neutral site changing game idea. It's absolute trash. I'll talk about why at the end of the show. If you like what you hear on the Justin and the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well and with the podcast, even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versus the conversation with Jerry Foley and Phil are going to be up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to recap the divisional round. Not as exciting as last year, but still some interesting takeaways. We'll talk about all that right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Opening tip time here, and remember last year, the, tw- the divisional rounds are the best weekend of games ever. We had four one-score games, all dramatic, crazy stuff. You had a bunch of overtimes. This year, a bit less dramatic. <laughs> we had two close games, two blowouts. Let's dive into chronological order here in the action. Ironically, the best game of the week is probably the first one, the Jaguar Chief game. This game was surprisingly close, large part because Patrick Holmes suffered a high ankle sprain early in the game. He gets hit. He has to leave. Chad Henney, though, does a good job for Kansas City. Stabilizes them. Leads a critical touchdown drive right before the half. That allows Mahomes to get a tight knee to rest up. Comes back in, finishes this game off here. Jaguars end up losing the game 27-20. They get the backdoor cover for those of you who gambled. So good for you if you bet the Jags here. Credit to Jacksonville here. They did fight very hard in this game. They simply did not have the firepower to get past the Chiefs. I mean, they're young and emerging. They do not have that full roster yet. Also, some big mistakes this game. Notably, the big drop by Christian Kirk early in the contest. Trevor Lawrence had a deep wide for a touchdown. Kirk dropped it. That cost the Jags at least a chance of three points. Trevor Lawrence also had a big pick late in the game. led to more points. But this team's going to be a force for years to come. They're going to have to stay that division here. Tennessee's a mess right now. Houston is the number one pick in the draft, and they have to basically rebuild the entire roster. The Colts, we've talked about how dysfunctional they are. This is the Jags' division to lose for a while, so they could be a big threat in the AFC. Giants-Eagles now on. Note that not a lot of New Yorkers are not happy about here. I remember last week I made the picks Joey Castellano. I said specifically, I remember I also did take the Giants this game with the hook. I said that if Jalen Hurts is fully healthy, 
This game can be a blowout. I did not know that when we made the picks. He looked pretty healthy. Giants got blown out. They lose 38-7 in a game where they did not look like they belong in the same field as the Eagles. The talent gap was enormous. I also get credit to our friends over the Giants side of the New Podcast. I listened to them last week for some insight into this matchup. They said repeatedly on here that if the Eagles could run the football, this game is going to be a blowout. The Eagles ran for 268 yards and three touchdowns in this game. And Nick Sirianni, who's becoming now the heel to the New York football audience on the Giants side, he deliberately trolls the Giants here, puts Boston Scott in to score against them in the second quarter because Boston Scott's become a giant killer. He decided to have some glory in that. The big takeaway from this game for me is Brian Dable's decision-making process on the fourth downs. Fourth and eight early on the first drive, he decides to go for it instead of trying either 57-yard field goal or punting. I get the aggressiveness because Brian Dable had an aggressive mentality all year. He looked at what happened the first drive and said, look, I need points. We got blitzed on that first drive. Went right, Eagles went right down the field and scored. You realize he was going to say, you know what? Like, I need points. I get the thought process. The only shot that we had to stay in this football game is to score points. I totally respect him going for it. You can make the argument the other way. Say, you know what? It's too early to do that. But I'd rather go down swinging. The problem I have here is that in the fourth quarter, Brian Dable is punting on 4-6 and on 42 in the, early in the quarter down 28-7. Are the Giants likely coming back in that game? Probably not. But you punt there, you're essentially waiting the life away on the game. And anybody who's watching the football game at this point, I have no problem turning it off after that. Bengals and Bills. This one looked like a ship in the game of the weekend based on paper. But this really wasn't. The Bengals did dominate from the jump. Zach Taylor outcoached Sean McDermott. Joe, Joe Berman had a huge collection of big boy plays. Since he wins 27-10, Josh Allen and the Bills offense in the cold was a disaster. They could not move the ball in the snow. That's problematic to play in Buffalo in the winter. The defense is also inept. They had no opportunity to get pressure on, on Burrow. The Von Miller injury looming large here. They had guys wide open all over the field. That's also not great. Cincinnati also look at the more physical team. They smashed the Bills in the mouth. They ran for 172 yards and 34 carries. Bills, 19 carries, 63 yards. That's not good enough in the snowy weather. You always have to wonder here. Are we at the point with Buffalo where have, have they missed their window? Are we starting to head in the wrong direction here? They've looked off most of this year. Remember back in October, they beat the Chiefs. It looked like all the rest of the teams had stopped San the Super Bowl. They were very uneven down the stretch. They have to discontent the, lock, the locker room now because we have the whole Stephon Diggs situation where he throws a tantrum at Josh Allen on the sidelines. He's storming out of the stadium before he can meet the media. If I made Jeff Van watch this game, and I am, I see what happens here. I'm very encouraged because if I can find the quarterback, I can win this division. Because Buffalo looks like they're sliding backwards a little bit. Miami, I don't trust them with Tua. New England's not very good. If I get a quarterback, I can win the AFC East and have a lot of fun. Last game, weekend, Cowboys 49ers. This game was a defensive battle from the start. 49ers ended up making more plays in the football game. Dallas, you know, shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Where it was Dak Prescott, he throws those two big picks. The lead six points. He also throws a third pick, six to Fred Warner late in the game. Brett Meyer missed another PAT. And after the first touchdown drive, also the strategy of the game for the Cowboys. One of my favorite Mike McCarthy moment. Game is tied at nine in the third quarter. Cowboys had the ball on the San Francisco 40, fourth and five. You have a couple options here. You can kick. You try a long field with Brett Meyer, which they're probably not going to do. You could go for it, which, you know, you have a quarterback, you have some good weapons, you know, okay. Five yards, why not? Or you can punt. McCarthy chose door three. 
he took the delay a game penalty, he punted the ball away. You do not trust your team to get five yards in a winner go ham game on their side of the field. That's cowardly coaching. The football gods let them have it right away because Sasso gets that ball on the nine. They go 91 yards, 10 plays, grab a touchdown, get the lead for good on that drive. You also realize here how slow the Cowboy offense is outside of Tony Pollard, who gets hurt early in the, late in the second quarter. He's out for the game, didn't return. C.D. Lamb made his plays. He got 10 pass, 117 yards. But who else is making plays this game? Dalton Schultz had a couple of big brain farts late. Michael Gallup has not looked the same all year. T.Y. Hilton off the street. Cowboys need more firepower. They want to play these big boys going forward. Now, right now, we get to the weekend here. We have the two title games. Arguably the four best teams in the league right now, which is awesome. Ironically, three of these four teams were in the same spot last year. The only difference is you have Philly in here instead of the Rams. Bengals, Chiefs back in Arrowhead. The big key to this game for me, how healthy Patrick Mahomes is on Sunday. He's got the high ankles I mentioned earlier. He's playing to play through it. But part of what makes him special here, the fact that he can extend these plays, the scrambling, make some ridiculous throws off schedule. If Mahomes is stuck more in the pocket, and I feel like that's going to be what the concession is. He's going to play. He's not going to scramble as much. He's still very good. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be easy, but he's not quite the elite all-world talent without the scrambling. You also like this game. If you're a Bengal fan, they have a big mental edge on the Chiefs. They've beaten him three times in the last year, uh, three in a row. Joe Burrow's 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. They beat him last year in the A's Italian game at Arrowhead. The Bengals also have a chip on their shoulder right now. They feel that like the league screwed them with their decision on how to handle the round. He's not completely getting the bills. You heard the whole thing at the end of the game about, oh, like Joe Burrow telling the fan, the CBS sideline reporter after the game that send those refunds as the league was talking about how they sold all those tickets to the neutral site game. That edge is clearly carried forward. I think that could be the big difference here. 49ers-Eagles is going to be fun also. Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurd, remember back a couple of years ago when they played this classic in the, in the Big 12 when Iowa State is, loses to Oklahoma by one and they're missing a two-point conversion. This game is going to be exciting. You get that rematch. One of these guys will be going to the Super Bowl. This is the first road playoff game for Brock Purdy. He had some struggles against the Cowboy defense at home last week. He made enough plays. The fact he's on the road could be a big deal. You got to make more big plays because Philly's offense is loaded. Unlike the Cowboys, they have skill position talent all over the field. They have a lot of speed. The key to this one here could be the turnover battle, in my opinion, because if the 49ers defense can't force Jalen Hurts to make a few mistakes. I think this game could get away from the 49ers because I don't think they have the quarterback play to win this game. I think the this game is very tight. I think both will be very tight. Judged by the early spreads, a lot of fun for sure. We'll get to the picks in just a bit, but we're going to talk next with Jerry Foley right after this highlight from the Eagles-Giants playoff game, courtesy of Fox Sports' Joe Davis and Daryl Johnson. How long does that injury hold up? This evening. Third down and five. Hurts will look to throw. He's got Goddard with a one-handed catch. Billis Goddard in. Touchdown, Philadelphia. What a catch, and he turns it into a score from 16. Last week with TJ Hawkinson having that game, they brought Xavier McKinney down to cover the tight end. Great catch by Dallas Goddard. Never breaks stride. He shook Xavier McKinney with the outbreak. You can see right there, he stumbles to the ground, but that is an excellent catch and run by Dallas Goddard. All right, we are here on the Just on the Suffering podcast. Giant season is over, unfortunate ending, but still a successful year overall. Join me today, great friend of the podcast. 
They were on their game last week talking about the Giant Eagle game. Jerry Foley is back with us. Jerry, how are you? Good, man. How are you, bud? Pretty good. I got to say, I was listening to you guys last week in the run-up to the game, and you guys nailed it in terms of the fact that, remember you guys going back and forth saying, hey, if Philly is able to run the football, this game is not yeah. going to be close. And that was exactly what happened here. So give me some general thoughts about this game besides that. Yeah, look, the Giants had to stop something, and they stopped nothing. And the result was 38-7. to I mean, they they were absolutely gassed for, I think it was 268 yards. And, you know, Gainwell uh, led the way, like 12 for 112 or something like that. And, I mean, look, it was such a bad um, – the, the, the talent disparity was great. And we all talked ourselves into momentum and team of destiny. And, you know, this feels like 2007. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, the Eagles are loaded. And, it, you know, it started off, you know, second play of the game. Devontae Smith beats Julian Love, kind of like the way he beat him at, in the first game for a touchdown. And from there, it was over. I mean, it, it was just, you could see how talented they were. The onslaught was on. And they did, the Eagles did exactly anything they wanted to do to the Giants defense. They, they did, you know, ran the ball. They, they didn't even have to pass the ball that much. But when they, when they had to, they, they got it done. So, yeah, it was a disaster from the start, man. Yeah, you also know that like Nick Sirianni loves rubbing in by stopping short of the goal line. They're sticking Boston Scott and scoring another touchdown against the Giants. Oh yeah, look, he's the new villain, right? I mean, yeah. he he is he's almost become classless in my eyes, and you know the way he's nodding his head and acting like a buffoon on the sidelines, like you know he's he's going to become public enemy number one with the with the Giants, and maybe that's what he wants, right? Maybe that's maybe he's in a weird way he likes the attention on himself, but um, yeah, I mean, look, he, he's we were talking about it on our podcast. Uh, Chris and I were saying, like, he, I said, he, I haven't seen this kind of it, someone act like that since, like, Barry Switzer. Like, it, it was, I, I couldn't think of, like, who to think of, like, what coaches act like that. And, you know, Chris mentioned Pete Carroll early on, and he did do that stuff. So, you know, the, the nodding of the head is going to be a gif for a very long time. <laughs> and if the Eagles have to lose, you know, I, I think everybody's going to throw that at them. Um, so, look, you know, he seems to relish it, but he's opening himself up for, a lot of criticism and a lot of taunting back to him, but maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he thrives on that. I don't know. Yeah, that's certainly interesting to see what happens to them here. I also feel like the big takeaway from this game, besides the talent disparity, was Brian Babel's uh, fourth down decisions. Obviously, he goes for it on this first drive on the fourth and eight. He punts from his 42 down three scores in the fourth quarter. I think he made the right call the first time around. I feel like he saw after the first drive and said, hey, you know what? Like, we're not going to stay in this game with these teams unless we're going score for score with them. So I'm going to try and keep this drive alive. Leywa didn't really guess if he goes for it on fourth again later. What do you think about his fourth down mentality? Yeah, I didn't like the first time, and I, I said that on our podcast. I, it was fourth and eight, and I understand why he did it. It would have been a 57-yard field goal or a punt, and when you have Jamie Galan, I guess you don't trust him to put it inside the 20, but if you don't get it, they just get the ball there, and they can do what they want. I would have punted and lived to fight another day, even if he gets it in the end zone. It's still 20 yards back. And it ended up being, it would have been 28 yards back because Jones was sacked for an eight-yard loss. The Giants aren't set up offensively to convert a fourth and eight like that against Philly's defense. I mean, you could pull that off against the Vikings even. But against Philly, man, I was like, dude, just live the fight another day. Punt, get, punt the ball. And I, I get all the arguments against it, but I wouldn't have gone for it. And I said it at the time. I didn't like it. And I felt like the game was truly over when he didn't convert there. And as for the fourth quarter, it, yeah, that just made no sense. This was, this was the only time where I question the coaching, you know, in game all really all season long. 
I didn't like coming out, firing the ball at them and throwing the, throwing the ball, acting as if you were playing the Vikings again. Would have given the ball to Saquon earlier, even down 14 nothing. I would have I would have pounded Saquon a bit because that was the path to victory. So they made a bunch. Look, the disparity in talent was what did it, but they made a lot of questionable moves in this game. Wink Martindale playing off receivers. Like I just didn't like the game plan at all. But hey, man, I, it, it was Dable's still a great coach. They they have the right pieces in place as far as the coaching staff. Um, I just didn't love this uh, this game plan to be honest with you. Yeah, well, obviously this game was disappointing. The loss is disappointing. But overall, the Giant fans, I haven't talked to one who's, who's not happy how the season has gone here. I mean, going into this season a lot, talk about, oh, is this the worst team in the league? You're going number one, take Bryce Young in the draft. You're just tanking here. Instead, you're 9-7-1. Nine, nine, uh, you win a playoff game. And then you're in, in Philly on Divisional Weekend. No one could have seen that coming. No, I mean, we, we had this as a 4-2, you know, if they were lucky, 7-win team. And, and really, they are 9-7-1. But that tie was so important. It was almost like they were 10 and 7. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's semantics. But to go from 4 and 13 and, you know, Jake Fromm um, being told to, you know, uh, quarterback sneak it from his own five-yard line, just the laughing stock of the league to a team now with respectability and, and a solid foundation and coaching. I mean, Dable, I think Dable walks away with coach of the year. I think you have to be insane not to give it to him. Um, but even as, you know, his, his coordinators were great and, you know, Kaska brought over some of that KC mentality. I'd love to see what he can do with more talent. And even Wink, right? Like Wink Martindale, he lives and dies by the Blitz. Uh, that's why I was a little disappointed in this one. But anyway, they, they have a great coaching staff. I hope, you know, it, it, selfishly, I hope they don't get jobs. But personally, I hope they get jobs because they deserve it, you know, especially Wink. But um, I would love to have them back next year uh, with Dable and, and give them you know, a, another year's worth of talent to really see what this team can do. But yeah, man, I mean, what a, what a great hire Dable's been. He's been incredible. Absolutely here. And obviously we had, they had their year end press conference on day of recording with uh, Dable and Joe Shane. There was a lot of stuff going on yeah. here. And obviously they have a lot of big questions. In the offseason. the biggest one right now is Daniel Jones, who obviously made himself a lot of money in the off season here. I, he's kind of like said, like, I want to be here, but like, he's not saying how much he wants. And then, they were talking about, you know, we got to be careful with this. So what, how do you think the Giants going to approach this new contract with Daniel Jones? Yeah, I think it's exactly what Shane said is that, look, he wants them back, but there's a business side to this. And, you know, you, you can't overpay or else you have buyer's remorse. I love that from Shane. And I was saying, like, I think now it's, you know, I, I just wrote a column called it Shane season because up until this point, it, it's been Brian Dable, right? I mean, Shane and Dable came over here. And look, Shane had the draft. He had to get the cap in order. He had to make moves like cutting James Bradbury. He picked up guys like Isaiah Hodges uh, and or Hodgins, and he's done a, tr- a tremendous job. But now it's his time to really not. I don't want to say overshadow Dable, but it, it's his time. It's it's his time of year, right? Like he's got all this. He's gonna have all this cap space. He's gonna have not anywhere between nine and eleven picks. Like right now, they have nine. But I think they can get eleven based on what they lost. I don't know if it's coaching or if it's players, but they're there's something there that's, that's still a variable where they can get more draft picks um, and then re-signing guys. Right. And I, I this is where he's going to earn his money. And I think he, I have total faith in him based on what he's done. And they've they worked magic up to this point. I think they figured it out with Jones. I think they figured it out with Barkley. And I literally think dude, that everyone else is a crapshoot. I, I, nothing else would surprise me whether they stay or go other than Barkley and Jones. I think those are the two that stay. And I think as far as the rest of the free agents, it wouldn't stun me if all of them left. Now, I don't think that will happen, 
but it, it just it wouldn't surprise me at all. I, but this is his time, and I think he'll get it done with Jones. I think he definitely wants to, and I think he's going to get it done with Barkley. I, I think letting Barkley walk is just ridiculously short-sighted. Anybody who's saying, you know, you don't pay a running back, I mean, you know, I, I think Barkley, that sweet spot for him is going to be in the 10 to 15 million range. I think they can get it done. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I think in terms of the Jones situation, I think the thing that interests me specifically is like I was assuming all along, oh, you know, like they'll, you know, sign one before free agency tag the other one. They can't get a deal done. It sounds like they may not even use the tag for either guy. I think it's an interesting business decision here considering like the running back value is like $10 million, I think, for the tag roughly. And the quarterback is 33, which if either one of them gets the market, they should get paid because both of these guys, there's acquisitions where there's going to be a lot of demand in the offseason. Yeah, they may have to use it on one of them. Um, I, I, they're going to want to bring them back. I, they may, if they use it on one, that's fine. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out and how much they demand. And, and I think both sides. If I'm Jones, I'm smart too. Like, look, I, this is a business. I got to. I want to be back, but let's see what the offer is. I think it'll be very good. I think we're very happy. What I love is that they're not going to have to cripple themselves the way the Dallas Cowboys have. I mean, Giants are in a great spot. Like, you know, Jones is not going to be paid like a top five top eight quarterback but he's going to be probably that next level um so you can still build your roster because of that and and as far as Barkley it's just if you have to franchise him for one year you franchise him um and and then see where that goes I, I he's the face of the franchise I would love to see him come back um but I, I think they'll figure it out with the two of them I think I think the Giants are smart enough to realize that you know Barkley has a lot left Jones is on the uptick Let's keep these guys. Let's figure this out. And then you work on, you know, extensions eventually for Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney. And, um, yeah, we always talked about what's funny is a year ago, you didn't want to keep anybody. And now it's, oh, my God, can we keep all these guys? Can we figure this out? So, Yeah, that's for sure here. And in terms of the, uh, the sour cat situation, it's like obviously a much better situation than they were a year ago where Shane basically just took his medicine the first year or seven to get rid of all these bad yeah. contracts I can in order to get things done here. I feel like there's still moves he made here. I mean, like, is there anybody that's obvious cut besides Kenny Galladay who I feel like is, is going to be gone regardless? No, but Leonard Williams is going to be interesting, dude, because I think it's like $32 million right now for next year, and he's not worth that. They're going to have to restructure. But if they cut him, I think they saved it's like 8 or 12. I, I just looked at it. I don't think they'd cut him, but I think they have to get that cap number down because he's making – he's too much of a hit. I mean, $32 million for no offense, but it's kind of invisible Sunday um, in the biggest game. So you got to figure that out. Dory Jackson's another one, right? They could save, I think, $8 million or so um, if they decide to move on. He was pushed around. He was bullied in that game. I think he's a, I think he's a very good corner. So I don't, I'm not saying I want him gone, but those are the two that you got to watch because they're going to count a lot towards the cap. I think, I think Jackson's like $19 million or something, I think. Um, but those two are the ones that, to keep an eye on because they've they've got to figure something out at least with Williams at the very least. Yeah, I was looking at it here. It's like you're right. They said Leonard Williams. They say twelve million if they cut him, and they and they have twenty yeah. million dead cap. And Jackson, I think it's ten five dead cap yeah. and eight five. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's interesting with that situation also here. I think uh, watching you know the, this decision you have to make here is obviously it's like. With all these guys, like, yeah, you make the argument, like, is it worth, like, letting everybody go? Sure. Then, like, those are all those hills, holes you have to fill, which, I mean, for most of these guys, sure. like, oh, it's not a big deal. But, like, sure. it's like at some right. point, like, you, the money's not going to be endless. Right. But, and, and to your point, you can't, like, 
Uh, Banks always says this, right? Carl Banks always says it. You can't let everyone go. Then you got to replace them. But Marcus Johnson, Darius Slayton, in my opinion, O'Shane Zimenez, these are guys who I think you can replace either in free agency or through the draft and upgrade, right? Like Darius Slayton was invisible Sunday. Like they couldn't get open. I mean, they, our receivers could not get open. Um, Slayton's a nice fourth receiver, in my opinion. He's not a two or a three. I think Hodgins is, is, a, is a two, maybe, right? Or, or at the very least, he's a three. Richie James, you can upgrade. Like, that's why I said, if you look at the rest of the free agents outside of Sterling Shepard, who has injury issues and, and can't stay healthy, who we love, but he can't stay healthy. Yeah, Julian Love, who we, you know, no pun intended, love him, but um, did not play well Sunday, and you're going to have to pay McKinney soon. So how how much you're gonna how much you're gonna dole out for your two safeties? That's going to cover a lot of money. So I just think a lot of the free agents can actually be upgraded. Like this roster is it's been a it's been flawed all year. So to say that we have to re-sign everyone is silly because God, we we got to upgrade players here. So you can't replace everyone, but you can't upgrade in a number of spots. Like I think Casey Kreider is one you got to keep. Cause he's a long snapper. He's so consistent. Like for me, it's Jones Barkley, you know, then you could argue a few other guys, but Casey Kreider is like in the upper half of that of guys you have to keep. Yeah, that's for sure here. And you talked about like freeze. I think he's got a lot of money to spend. I mean, right now, even before they make any cuts or dump Galladay or whatever they want to do, they're going to have like over like $70 million. It sounds like roughly free agency here. So like, what's this? You think exactly. they're going to try and upgrade here in the free agent market? Oh, inside linebacker. Oh my God! Inside linebacker, they look. Darian Beavers, they were excited about. Then he tore his ACL. So you don't know what you have there. They're still like Micah McFadden, but he he really did not play well down the stretch. Uh, Jared Davis and Jalen Smith have been cast off for reasons. Nice players, not impact. I mean, they were gashed against the run all year. They have to improve inside linebacker. People are already saying Edmonds from Buffalo. That's that's where they have to. I think. It could be receiver. I mean, the, the receiver free agent list is not impressive. So I think if they make, if they improve free agent, if they improve receiver before the draft, it might come from a trade. Uh, because if you look at the list of free agents um, at receiver, it's not impressive at all. Like, like Juju might be the best one. And then it's, and then it, what I was saying, it was, it's like the 2014 fantasy team. It's like Julio Jones, AJ Green, it's a list of guys where you're like, what do we have here? So I think if they, if they, if they were to do something in for at receiver, you know, it's either going to be in the draft, which very likely will be, um, or they, maybe they make a trade, who knows? But um, I think you can improve inside linebacker uh, with a veteran um, in free agency. I think that's, that's probably where they would lean. I would guess. If I was to guess with them, I would guess that honestly, like their big splash is going to be like on defense and maybe along the interior of the offensive line. And then they use the draft. Then they start to do like a sign one draft yeah. approach at receiver because like everybody sees the value of receiver these days is in the draft because you're seen to find like 10 or 12 guys to become starters like right in every draft class. So do, spending your big pick there and then using like a secondary player from free agents, I think would definitely be a good smart way to upgrade the receiver room. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I also think like maybe. You know, Nick Gates is another one who's a free agent. I, I want him back, but I want him back at the right price. And I don't know if I want him starting. I, I don't know if he's the starting center. I want to upgrade Feliciano. I would love to upgrade left guard. But you also don't know what you have with Azudu. Um, he's a rookie who got hurt. He looked good. Uh, McKesson never even got on the field. Or McKeithen. Uh, he never even got on the field. He got injured early. 
So it's going to be interesting to see where they feel they need to improve via free agency um, because they do have some young guys that are that are question marks that may be able to do something. But, like, you know, the interior of the line, inside linebacker, and wide receiver, those are the easy ones that right away you have to improve. And then, you know, you can even say you're going to need another edge rusher or two because Ojolari couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Thibodeau should improve and, and be even better next year. But then behind them is a free agent in Jihad Ward, and it's a free agent in O'Shane Zimenez. So you're going to need a rotation, and you're probably, if I had to guess, you're going to keep one of those guys. Um, it wouldn't surprise me you didn't keep neither. But, um, yeah, so, look, the, the Giants have their work cut out. You're also going to have to bring in another corner. I, I don't think you cut – if they cut Jackson, they got to bring in two corners. They probably like Cordell Flott. I think, you know, he's going to put on some weight in the offseason probably, and he'll be, he'll be better. And he got better as the season went on, but – I mean, this roster is loaded with holes right now. That's why I said nine, seven, and one is absolutely amazing uh, for the the lack of talent we have. Yeah, absolutely. Here, and the last question I want to talk to Aaron about is the draft because I was talking about earlier they might have up to eleven picks right now. They definitely have nine. They have four in the top one hundred, including four in the first yeah. three rounds here. So, like, there's opportunities here for Joe Shane to buy, find a bunch of starters. Like, like, do you think he's kind of you know like move around the board, sit where he is, make some picks? Like, what do you, what do you think his his approach to be going to be during this draft? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I could. They, they moved up to get Josh Allen years ago. Um, they traded for Stephon Diggs, which is why we're, you know, Chris and I are like we're, we're talking about like is that a possibility? Do they trade for a wide receiver? They, they've done it before. You know, they they gave Josh Allen Diggs. So will they do the same for Jones? I don't know what they would do. If I mean, I've been I've been doing some uh, mock simulators and having a blast with that. And like I, I'm coming away like man, we're loaded now. You know, I I I don't know what they'll do. I, I if, if anyone's I mean, it's it's up for debate. I, if they stay put, they have a lot of nice picks. I think, you know, I think it depends somewhat on what you do in free agency. If you make a trade, I, I think that does affect it a bit. I think the Giants are in a position where they can take best player available almost, you know, every round. I mean, they you could argue they need a tight end to run the scene pass. Like Dan Bellinger's a nice player; he's a good blocker, uh, but he's not a he's not a real threat in the receiving game yet. He could become one. He doesn't have the natural speed that like. I hate to say this out loud, but Evan Ingram had. Um, but, you know, they could even go tight end in round two or three, a, a, a pass-catching tight end. So the beauty of it is they can they can go best player available in so many rounds, but also that's because you need to upgrade so many areas. So if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I, 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 did, I don't even want to speculate because I don't know what Shane will do. I mean, last year they pretty much – if memory serves, I mean, you had the fifth and seventh pick, so it was easy. Um, you know, they, they seem to take best player available and, and, and coincided with need last year. So I'll go with that this year, man. I, I don't know what, I don't know what they would do. Yeah. I, do, I was thinking about the veteran receivers you were talking about, like how they trading for one here. The thing is like this odd because it's not really like, unless somebody comes out and just demands a trade all of a sudden, like the biggest name on the market now seems to be DeAndre Hopkins who like, He's probably yeah, out of yeah. Arizona, and like I don't know if that's the direction they want to go. With the guy who's be thirty-one, he had a PED suspension this year. Yeah, that's what Chris was saying. So he said that once in the podcast or twice. Um, yeah, I, I would love it. I would love DeAndre Hopkins in, in blue. He just can't wear number ten. You know, it's retired. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't care if he's thirty-one. I mean, you know, he'd, he'd be an upgrade. He'd be, he'd be a tremendous upgrade. I mean, even. You know, it would never happen, but like a Devontae Adams, I mean, that, that he makes so much money and you'd have to give up so much. But, you know, those are the kind of impact players you want to try to bring in. It might come from the draft. They may not make a move like that. It may come from the draft. I mean, Shane made a point of saying today that, look, 
number one receivers, a lot of number one receivers are sitting home right now. They're not in the playoffs. So it's more about, it's more about improving the overall team, but they will one way or another um, this offseason come away with a weapon for Daniel Jones. They have to. Yeah, they absolutely do, Jerry. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, people follow you guys on social media and keep up with the podcast. Yeah, uh, at Giant Insider. Chris does most of the tweeting. Uh, he's always at the uh, the facility covering the Giants. And in our, you know, I edit the newspaper, and um, we have the podcast that now is just once a week. Unless news breaks, it's once a week. Uh, Giant Insider podcast pretty much on all platforms where you can find a podcast. Absolutely, Jerry. Thanks for all the time. really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for Championship Sunday are here. Joining me today, a guy who is no doubt a little upset that his team is not playing on Sunday. Uh, Phil Lombardo is back with us. Phil, how are you? I'm doing okay, Mike. You know, I'm still uh, a little battered and bruised from uh, from the weekend, but we're uh, you know we had a good season, and I'm, I'm excited for to see what Dable and the boys can do next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we do have to kind of touch on this game from Saturday, which this one was over pretty quick. I remember I was texting our friend Phil Friday during the game, and I said like. This one could get ugly very, very quickly. And this is at the end of the first quarter. And then I think about like, you said, no, oh, it's still early. We'll see. And about 20 minutes later, he's like, yeah, this got ugly. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those games where, you know, you had a lot of hope going in. Um, Giants fans were super excited that, you know, we won our first playoff game in 11 years. Um, Daniel Jones was playing the best football of his career. The team looked like they were hitting their stride. But um, it always comes a certain point where talent, tends to catch up to you and it was clear from the start the first snap of the game that the Eagles are just the far superior team in all aspects essentially yeah I wouldn't argue with that here for sure I think like you mentioned earlier it's hard to you know be upset at this because I mean if I told you back in in, uh, August say hey you know like you're going to be playing on divisional Saturday here and you're going to have a shot to get to the NFC championship game I think you would have signed that immediately Absolutely. Um, you know, for, for me, um, you know, the last four years has been really frustrating as a, as a fan, as a season ticket holder, somebody who really loves the Giants and, and cares how we perform. Um, and it was it was pretty much an embarrassment um, the last four years to sort of see what Dable could do in, in the short time he's been here. It was super impressive. Uh, I like the strides I I saw from Daniel Jones. Um, he ha- he definitely had his moments where he reverted back to what we've seen in the last few years, but I think there's something to build on. Um, I-, I think there's definitely some holes on the team, but I think it's not something that we can't work with. The Giants have $45 million in cap space. Um, sure, we could use a couple of receivers. We could definitely use some interior offensive linemen. Um, a middle linebacker wouldn't be bad. I mean, I love my, my Notre Dame. I love Jalen Smith, but He's not the answer. He was a fill-in. Um, and we could definitely use at least one or two more cornerbacks. So that's really what I'm looking for when it comes to, you know, what we can kind of focus on heading into next year. Yeah, that's for sure here. And I do think they have a very interesting offseason here too because obviously you look at what's going on with them. They have the Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley for agency to deal with. They have to fill a lot of holes in the roster. They're, Joe Chain's going to be earning his money this, win- this uh, winter. 
Yeah, no, this is this is really you know a test for him, and it, it, you know I think he's going to be up for the tasks. Um, you know, I'm looking at free agents for next year. Cornerback is a little thin when it comes to youth. I mean, you have some guys here: James Bradbury, Marcus Peters. They're probably going to demand a, a hefty salary. So I don't know if it's something the Giants can go after. But one guy that stands out to me is a guy that got hurt this year for San Francisco, and he was a starter, um, Emmanuel Mosley. He's uh, he's just about to turn 27. I think he's someone that might come a little bit cheaper. He was only making about four million last year, so coming off injury, I think it's somebody maybe the Giants might consider targeting. Um, coming, and I think he's also coming to a Giants team which has the same mentality as a San Francisco. We want to play hard-nosed defense. We want to press at the line. We want to do a lot of those things that San Francisco likes to do. So he stands out to me as somebody maybe they can get on the cheap. And then um, on the offensive side, I mean, it's it. I, I'm not even going to talk, talk about wide receiver because let's just go draft some some guys and and maybe re-sign a Darius Slayton. You know, extend Isaiah Hodgins. I don't know what they do with Richie James. Richie James was kind of off off and on, but he really came out at the end of the year. If they ended up re-signing him, I wouldn't be upset. Um, but another guy that I'm looking at, and I really hope that he, Detroit lets him walk, is uh, middle linebacker Alex Anzalone. Um, he was somebody who was just flying all over the field, the long, blonde hair. It's hard to miss him. Um, 125 tackles, two sacks, an interception, forced fumble. He kind of does it all, and he was making – nothing around two million dollars last year so what i'm really looking for them to do is fill some of these holes with players that have you know veteran players who have proven their worth in the nfl and maybe they're looking for that first nice contract but they're not going to demand a a crazy amount of money yeah that certainly makes some sense here let's talk about like these games here this weekend here because obviously we'll go chronologically here throughout the nfc game which is the eagles 49ers i feel like this game's a lot of fun because i think Obviously, you know these two quarterbacks had that great game back in college when they played the 42-41 thriller win with Iowa State and Oklahoma here. And now they're playing for the Super Bowl. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's funny how things come full circle. Um, I, I expect this game to be very interesting because what I saw from Brock Purdy was somebody who definitely has a lot of the tools and a lot of the grit you want to see from a young quarterback. But Whenever Dallas was able to get a little bit of pressure on him, he was making some questionable decisions. Um, I think that, you know, the Eagles have arguably the best pass rush, probably not even arguably, they have the best pass rush left in this final four. So they've gotten pressure on everybody all year. If they can kind of fluster him early and the Eagles can kind of establish some of that run game with Hertz and Sanders and Gainwell, kind of like they did to the Giants last week, um, they're gonna they're gonna be a huge problem at home for the 49ers. Yeah, that's for sure. Here and the other game here, I think it is also interesting because Chiefs Bengals rematch of last year's AFC Championship game with Cincinnati won in overtime. Here, the line opened Chiefs minus I think one and a half. Chiefs minus once flipped the other way in a couple of days since recording on Tuesday night. The Bengals now favored by a point and a half. I do think it's interesting now that like the Bengals are getting so much more respect now than we're getting earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, they try to, like, push the narrative even further. We're like, you know, everybody's selling tickets early. All teams do that. So I I, didn't, I never really bought into that whole motivating factor for them. But, yeah, they, they were overlooked. Um, this was supposed to be the Bills' year to, to get revenge on the Chiefs. Um, and you know what? The Bengals came in, and they smacked them in the mouth. And you know what? I would have loved to see Buffalo have a chance to – 
avenge last year's loss. Um, I thought they were ready, um, but I think some of the injuries they saw, you know, Micah Hyde went down early in the year. Um, Von Miller went down. They couldn't overcome that. And they were just getting pushed around by, you know what, a, a relatively weak offensive front. They had, what, two or three starters out by the, the first quarter of that game. I mean, they had two out before the game, but then another guy, I think um, Harris, was hobbled. So they were, you know, they were three men down, essentially, and they were still able to run all over the Bills. So I was super impressed with what I saw. I mean, and how can you not love Joe Burrow? I mean, the guy is ice cold. He doesn't waver at all. It kind of reminds me of Eli Manning, except he has a lot more athleticism. He has, he has every tool you want in a professional quarterback. Joe Burrow has, and it's pretty awesome to watch him grow over the last few years. Yeah, it is for sure here. Let's get to the picks. I set these games up here. Reason why you're here. Uh, Joey Castellano was here last week. He went three and one. We had three family plays last week. He won with the Jaguars getting eight and a half. He won our heads up play with the Bengals getting the five and a half against Buffalo. He won the 49ers laying a three and a half. Lost the Giants getting seven and a half. So three and one for him. I went two and two. Same three family plays. I hit the Jags, the Niners, lost the Giants. They lost to the Bills. So two and two on the week for me. That's not bad. You can't be upset about that. No, I did say at the time, we recorded it early, a little early in the week to record on Wednesday night. I said, hey, like, I'm picking the Giants. I like having the hook, but, like, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, this game is not going to be close. And that was exactly what happened. Yeah, he, he was he was able to do whatever he wanted. And, and the fact that they were – it was one of those games where you just felt helpless because the Giants, you know, they were they were getting pushed around a little bit um, during the season. But towards the, towards the latter end of the season when Leonard Williams got healthy, I just didn't think that – they were going to be pushed around like they were. And if the Eagles can run on you, you, you have no chance. I mean, Jalen Hurts threw for only 150 yards, and they dominated the game. They, they, they dominated the line of scrimmage, and they dominated time of possession. So there just really was no hope. But that's why, you know, the Eagles could possibly be the best team in the league. Yeah, it certainly can be. So on the year, and the challengers are even 531, 31-2, 6-3-1 in the playoffs. I'm 29-33-2, in the playoffs. I can't finish above 500 for the year, but I still have a chance to uh, make some make some ground up here in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the season is, the, the fo- football is one of the hardest sports to pick. You know, you just never really know what's going to happen. But, you know, it, it just makes it that much more fun. Certainly does here. Now let's get to our picks here. We're going to go one game at a time. We'll start out here with the NFC Championship game. We're, that's going to be... Sunday at 3 o'clock on Fox here. The 49ers at the Eagles. Eagles are laying two and a half as of recording time on Tuesday night. Phil, who are you taking this game? Yeah, I mean, I know everybody's been high on the 49ers for the last, you know, 10 weeks or 11 weeks. They've been on this crazy win streak. But in the beginning of the season, I thought the Eagles would be a strong team. They're even stronger than I could possibly imagine. I think what they do to the 49ers, we haven't seen done to the 49ers before. Um, And I really think they're able to establish the line of scrimmage early. And also what I I think A.J. Brown is a huge factor on a couple of big plays. I'm going to take the Eagles minus two and a half at home. I think they're just too much of a juggernaut. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that pick here. It's it's one thing I think is not getting talked about enough in this game is that this is probably the biggest road environment Brock Purdy has played in as a pro. And, I mean, he's going from – he's only road games prior to this were at Seattle on a short week and at Las Vegas. And going to Philly with the Super Bowl on the line is a big step up in competition. We saw that, like, he has a rookie Jetters last week. 
They, they won because they were able to just smother the Cowboys' offense, and, and Philly's much more explosive offensively. I think getting under a field goal is still good value. I'm with you on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the 49ers' defense played fantastic, and I think that's what won them the game. Um, Dak Prescott kind of gave them a couple of gimmies where the Cowboys had every opportunity to win that game, but the 49ers just were a little too tough, and Brock Purdy just didn't make any mistakes, really. Um, and, and But I don't think that's going to be enough then to overcome that hostile environment in Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. Next up here, the AFC Championship game, the Bengals at the Chiefs, Sunday, 640 on CBS. Bengals favored on the road by a point and a half. Where are you going with this game? I mean, I think uh, it's very interesting to see the Bengals favored on the road at Arrowhead. I mean, Arrowhead is one of the toughest places to play as well. Maybe the toughest place to play in the AFC, arguably. So, um, I it was, it was just weird for me to look at, but I still think Bengals here. Joe Burrow is 3-0. and against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, much as I love him, and I think he's just a great guy, a great quarterback, and has all the tools that you want as well. He's a little hobbled. I think that Andy Reid is somebody who sometimes can get away from the run game a little too fast. He might have to try to attack with the run a little bit more this game, and I don't know if that's going to slow that offense down a little bit. I just trust Joe Burrow in these moments already. He's already proved it time and time again, and I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder still from just his entire life being overlooked. So I'm going to go Bengals on the road, minus one and a half. I, uh, I think they go back to the Super Bowl, and they, and they give the Eagles as much problems as they could possibly give them. Yeah, first of all, I'm going to say all four games we could get out of the Super Bowl match is going to be a lot of fun here. But I do think, you know, getting the Chiefs as home underdogs in a playoff game is very interesting here. I do think that maybe we, I mean, we did disrespect the Bengals a lot. I feel like we did throughout the year, but I feel like now we may have got, got too far the other way. The Chiefs are still a team that won 13 games in the regular season. The Chiefs are still a team that has the best quarterback in the world, Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid's coaching staff here. I think even if Mahomes cannot scramble outside the pocket here, I think, you know, they've been sitting here for a year. About, oh, Cincinnati has our number. They're 3-0 and against us. They beat us here last year. I think that this is going to come out here put a better than people think. I think they're going to win this game. Goes well. I'll take the Chiefs. Go heads up with you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's toss-up game. Um, I, I I just like the Bengals here because of the way they played last week. They really impressed me. So I'm just going to kind of ride that wave. Um, and, and you know, they're they're a little more of a sexy pick considering Mahomes is a little hobbled. But if they went, out, if the Chiefs went out and blew out the Bengals next week. Or, I mean, this weekend, I wouldn't be shocked in the fight. All right, so reset the picks here for the week. Uh, Phil and I are in agreement on the NFC Championship game. Family play on the Eagles laying the two and a half. AXL game, we're heads up. Phil is laying the one and a half with the Bengals. I am taking the one and a half with the Chiefs. Those are your picks for Championship Sunday. Hard to believe we only have three games left in the football season. It's, uh, it's always very sad when you realize that football season is coming to an end because, you know, what are we supposed to do on Sunday? You know, mow the lawn, go grocery shopping, um, spend time with the misses. It's uh, it's always a little it's always a little scary for, for us men out there. But I I um I'm super excited for the off season. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, what happens with Daniel Jones and Barkley. You know, I'd love to see Barkley and Jones come back at a reasonable rate. You know, Barkley said he wants. Saquon Barkley said he wanted to be a giant for life. So if he really wants that, then he's probably going to have to take a little less than maybe he would get elsewhere, in my opinion. 
And Jones, I think, with after his performance last week, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to, to demand too much from the Giants, but we'll see what happens. There's a lot of good storylines. DeAndre Hopkins is another where does he go. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to follow as well. Also, what I have my interest peaked on very quick here is Aaron Rodgers won out of Green Bay. Is my team get involved? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers do the same thing that, well, not the same exact thing that Brett Favre did, but, you know, another Packer quarterback late in his career going to the Jets. Um, because that was a lot of fun when Favre was on the Jets. He, he really kind of reinvigorated that offense. And I think Aaron Rodgers would do the same. They have a ton of weapons. The Jets have a team that's ready to win now. They just need quarterback play. And I think Aaron Rodgers would be the perfect fit um, to provide that. He's already used to that kind of weather that, you know, December New York would provide. So I honestly think that would be a phenomenal storyline if he was to, if he ended up going to the Jets somehow. Yeah, the question obviously arises: Does he want to go to New York? That would be the real holdup here. Because I think it, I know the Peter King said earlier this week in his column. They said the price probably be two first round picks, and the Jets are willing to do it. I'm like, you know what? Go for it. When you have you know all these young players on cheap contracts, go for it before you have to pay them. Then figure out how to do it later. So like, this is the window. Go for it. Yeah, and, and honestly, I had a quick question for you. When it comes to Lamar Jackson, I mean, I know the, I know the Ravens are saying like we're going to sign him. This is going to happen. You know, stop asking us about this. But you know, Lamar Jackson seems to be, you know seem to be somebody who is a little as much as he likes to be very, um, you know, very kind of matter of fact or not not matter of fact, but very kind of laid back in the in the press conferences. I feel like there was a little bit of uneasiness. From, from what kind of has happened to him since he's been a Raven. He wants to get paid, and the Ravens want to pay him, but does he maybe decide to go somewhere else? And if so, are the Jets in on him as well? I think they're in on every quarterback who can make this team better. That's the way I, was, I put it to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if I had to rank them, obviously Lamar would be one, Aaron Rodgers would be two, and then maybe you look at a guy like Derek Carr if both of those guys end up going elsewhere or staying put. Yeah, the interesting thing with the car situation is that sort of has to be resolved, I think, by February 15th where the Raiders are on the hook for that guarantee in his contract. So, like, the, the question with the Jets is here, you kind of want to have your due diligence figured out, like, is Rodgers realistic or do I have to go for Carr now and sort of, like, make sure I have something and not get left in the cold? Yeah, yeah because don't the Packers have – they they have um, until June, right, to make a decision? I think it's between March 17th and the league and the start. I think the end of June to make a decision here. I respect Rodgers and want to drive it sooner though, have certainty on like where he's going to be. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would think so too. But it's still the timeline for the Jets is really more like they, they they're going to have to kind of look at it one one guy at a time and see what happens. So it might kind of cause a little bit of, um, it might it might make them steer in a certain direction over another. As I said, I think February 15th. I think if they do not pull off a Derek Carr trade by then, it's going to be a trade because there's enough interest in him. I feel like if they don't do that, I feel like they have enough inkling that they can get Rodgers. And I think that's what they're going to try and do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and and with the Giants, I really think that, you know, they have to sign Daniel Jones because they're really, you know, I mean, I guess they could go after a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or, Jimmy Garoppolo or, or um, Derek Carr, but is that going to make the team better? I think they need to sign Daniel Jones. I just hope that he ends up taking a reasonable contract because it would be nice to have him back in his second year in a Dable offense because that's where we could truly see who he is. You know, maybe maybe they end up franchising him and signing Saquon to something reasonable, maybe like in the eight to twelve million range, somewhere in that in that range. Um, I think that would be something that we could make happen 
and still be able to fill all the gaps we have in the rest of the roster. Absolutely, Phil. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, if you want to follow on social media, how can they do that? Well, um, took a little hiatus from Instagram and others, but I do have a Twitter. It's the Phil Lombardo or at the Phil Lombardo. That's my handle. All right. So if you want to follow, follow Phil, you can follow him there. So Phil, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mike. Always fun. The two minute drill. All right. Two minute drill time. The NFL fans a whole. That's a gigantic bowl this week when the Bengals with the Bills on Sunday. Why, you ask? Because it got rid of the possibility of the neutral site AFC Championship game. We all know about after the Damar Hamlin situation here in the league opted not to continue the Bills-Bengals game. The league decided to play, you know, the potential Bills-Chiefs-Ace tail game at neutral site, which, you know, made some sense because, obviously, Buffalo had beaten Kansas City head-to-head. If they had won their game against Cincinnati, they could have maintained a tiebreaker here. Neutral site makes sense. And, you know, as you're a football fan, thinking, oh, where can they play this game? These are both outdoor teams. We want to see a neutral site that's, you know, like common ground fair. We're talking, you know, Chicago, Green Bay. Nope. They go to Atlanta. And the league was so fired up about this decision that they announced on Friday before the kickoff of the visual round, they already sold 50,000 tickets to the game. As Joe Burrow said after the Bengals won on Sunday, and just earlier, the NFL's not got the reef on those tickets and the game will be played. But Pro Football Talks Mike Florio made a great point over the weekend. Why would the league announce they take a sales or a game that wasn't guaranteed to happen? Why would the NFL go on big detail of how there's so much excitement about this game, how they split the tickets in half between the Chiefs and the Bills, and, you know, the Chiefs fans on one side of the stadium, the Bills fans on the other side of the stadium. Why would they go over that? They did it because they wanted to put it in people's minds. It is something they're considering doing in the future here. And the ticket sales are kind they think this is a good idea. As we all know with the NFL, the fact that we have 17 games now. The fact that we are talking about, you know, this situation. The NFL is driven by pure greed and will do anything to make an extra buck. They are the only league with a chance to just play at a neutral site. They can take over a city and make themselves a center of attention for a week. You add in the championship round, which, by the way, the league controls the tickets of the championship round. It's not the individual teams. They have let the individual teams host the games for years, but they control the tickets. The teams only control the wildcard round, the divisional round. They decided, you know what, like, we could have three Super Bowls, if you think about it here. We'll put the NFC game in an AFC stadium, put the AFC game in an NFC stadium, and get all the attention, all the pageantry surrounding the games, and have three big events to end our season. I see several problems here with this. First of all, on the competitive level, the neutral site title game severely undervalues the regular season. Think about this for a second here in the NFC if you're the Eagles. Why on earth am I busting my ass number one seed when the reward is just a buy and one home playoff game. My focus on them is, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, take things easy. If I have the division locked up, I'm going to get in healthy. You are, dis- you are disincentivizing competition at the end of the regular season, which is not what you want. The neutral site gains on the business side also screw the average season ticket holders. The ones who pay their teams the money year after year, and they get charged full priceless preseason gains, and no one plays in them. For the hope that that special moment every so often when the AFC title game or the NFC title game is in your building and you're going to be there. And we are not talking about the guys who had the 50-yard line tickets who are sitting in the suites before to go, who can, you know, hop on a plane and go to the interest game if they want. We're talking about your average fans. The ones who are sitting in the second deck, upper deck, the ones that can't afford to go to the game if it is in their home stadium since that would involve, you know, booking flights, 
getting hotels, missing work the next day because you're not going to be back on time. Those people are the ones that get screwed. Watch the NFC Championship game on Sunday. See how wild Arrowhead Stadium is. Watch the NFC game. See how crazy the Eagles fans go at the link. Put the game in a neutral site. It becomes a lot more sterile. And the tickets are more likely to be end up in the hands of those corporate types. They get to see, you know, like, all our sponsors get tickets. You have to look at upsell them for more money. It's in the hands of the fans of the league. I think the league, great. You know, like, average Joe should get the opportunity to see the AFC title game in his building. Not, like, Jimmy from State Farm who just got a helicopter in because of an event. You're also going to lose the weather here as well because the NFL will never put a neutral site game in a cold weather city without a state without a dome. Like, for example, you'll never see the A's tugging in Buffalo again in this model. You'll never see it at MetLife Stadium. You won't see it in Green Bay. You'll see it at, you know, SoFi Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, Nashville with the uh, new building, Atlanta, Dallas, the Domes, Detroit, Minnesota. You're not going to see it in any of these other places. Shame on the league for this. And you know they're going to try this at some point too. The tube is already out of the tube. And there is no way they will pass up the opportunity to line their pockets with even more money instead of doing what's best at the game. They will not. With that, I want to end the show for you. I want to thank my guest Jerry Foley for hopping on the podcast to talk all about the Giants. Also, Phil Lombard for coming on the line here to do our NFL picks for Championship Sunday. Remember stuff like this podcast, including a look at whether the Mets are making another mistake on offense, and I think it's a very clear one based on how they're constructing their roster right now. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. We're going to have our Bad Batch Episode 4 recap up in the podcast over there right now. Episode 5 is coming this week. That's only on the Sky Guys podcast, along with our... We're going to start this thing called Mando Mondays. We're going to go through some Mandalorian preseason coverage because Mando's coming back. We're going to look at Mandalorian Season 1. That's going to be in the feed on Sky Guys next Monday. So if you want those preseason Mandalorian podcasts, subscribe to the Sky Guys feed. Same podcast platform into the top of the show. So follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week. Coming up next, we're going to recap the conference championship games, start getting ready for the Super Bowl, catch up on what's going on at the Australian Open. The tournament's going to be over at that point and more. Hope you have a better week than Cowboys fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.